A few weeks ago in this study on the Sermon on the Mount, what if Jesus was serious? We talked about the righteous anger that Jesus had at at religious people's hypocrisy and vanity, and specifically how they prayed, how they gave, and how they fasted. And there was this recurring theme uh, in those examples of of religious people doing, you know, so-called spiritual things, but with rotten motivation, you know, like they had a motivation to be seen, to be thought of as spiritual and respectable. The heart behind it was just bad. And it essentially negated their so-called worshipful act. I actually learned this week in my studying that the, the Pharisees used to fast on Mondays and Thursdays. You know why? Because those were the big market days. Uh, There were more people in the center of town to impress with their holiness as they sort of walked faintly through, oh, I'm so hungry. Um, So I had included Matthew uh, 6 in that previous teaching, and, and I figured, you know, we'd sort of covered fasting, uh, at least the motivation behind fasting. And it occurred to me, we didn't really talk about the spiritual, worshipful discipline of fasting itself. And as someone who is, who's actually deeply concerned about the discipling of our congregation, more than being interesting or being liked or, or, you know, hitting a home run sermon every time, it occurs to me that this is a subject that deserves, well, as much time as Scripture gives it, which is is quite a bit of page space, actually. And yet, um, fasting isn't really part of the average church-going Christ follower's routine. Like, giving is, in most of our Christian paradigm, uh, worship, serving, evangelizing, um, missions, you know, regular facets of the Christian's life. Fasting, not so much. Uh, I think most of you know what fasting is, but, but let's just clarify in the first place. The central idea in fasting is, is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of concentrated spiritual intimacy. Now, you got to remember, there's nothing wrong with these normal functions. We'll talk in a few, uh, in a few minutes about some of the options, I suppose, in fasting. It's just that there are times, there are seasons when we would set those aside in order to devote our time and our energy and our, and our thoughts on something greater. In a world of uh, Uber Eats, though, and next day prime delivery service, and, you know, f- fasting seems a little out of step with our times. In fact, fasting in some church traditions isn't even uh, talked about, which is interesting. But, but make no mistake, fasting is a bonafide biblical tradition and discipline. And I know it runs kind of counterculture in a culture that says, you know, we ought to satisfy every human passion. 
Some have even adopted a theology that says we shouldn't deny ourselves any comfort or enjoyment or luxury. And they'll even have the scripture verses often out of context to to support them. And if fasting is used at all today, it's usually either to lose weight. Um, You probably know someone actually who has had great success using what is, is... known as intermittent fasting. And it's actually found some really good scientific support. That's not the kind of fasting I'm talking about today. You know, sometimes people will say, I'll fast, I'll get close to God, and maybe I'll lose some weight in the process. That's not really what I'm talking about. Um, I think you've also seen recently uh, it can be used to apply political pressure. Uh, Alexei Navalny uh, when it is on a political fast in Russia right now and it's garnering lots of news. That's not what I'm talking about either. Um, as a strict biblical precedent, I mean, the list of biblical fasters is like a who's who of, of Scripture. Abraham, uh, his servants went on a fast uh, when he was seeking a bride for Isaac. Um, Moses on several occasions fasted. Hannah, as she prayed for her child, fasted. David on several occasions. Elijah, after his victory over Jezebel. Ezra, when he was mourning Israel's lack of faithfulness. Nehemiah, when he was preparing that trip to go to Israel. Esther, when God's people were threatened with extermination, she fasted. Daniel on numerous occasions, and the people of Nineveh, and Jesus, and Paul, and the church at Antioch. Not only that, but many great Christians, our church fathers throughout the ages have fasted. Luther, and Calvin, and Wesley, and Jonathan Edwards, and Charles Finney, and on and on, many others. So maybe the first question, though, is, what if Jesus was serious about fasting? Or, or, or put another way, why should we fast in the first place? Um, not to sound all like spiritually nebulous about the, uh, the subject. Maybe the best reason to fast is in response to an urging. A, a sense of call. A, a prompting. Um, a sense of rightness. You, you've, it's like you've heard the call of the Lord. You're, you're responding to the voice of Jesus. You're compelled to obey. You know, John Piper puts it this way. He says, Christian fasting at its root is, is the hunger of a homesickness for God. You, you fast to connect with God on a deeper level. Um, Here's the most compelling evidence for me, though. In the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to notice this. Jesus said, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. You notice he doesn't say, if you pray, if you happen to give, if you fast. He's assuming his followers would do these things. And here... To me, is is what the great benefit of fasting is. Fasting reveals things in you. 
it reveals actually what controls you. Like food, as we'll talk about, you know, isn't the only thing that we can fast from. But in the Ganyu household lately, you know, we're trying to look a little bit closer at our eating habits. Like, do we eat when we're bored, when we're stressed? Do we eat mindfully or mindlessly? Uh, Do we eat our feelings, so to speak? See, people tend to cover up heart issues um, and emotions with food and other good things. But in fasting, these things kind of will come to the surface. You know, um, you know, one of the things about me that I'm reminded of when I fast, it's my near obsessive desire for good feelings. Um, I'll get hungry and I won't feel good. And pretty soon I realize that there's something in me that would do just about anything in order to feel good. Is there anything wrong with feeling good? Of course not. Of course not. But that's not the ultimate thing. Um, It's not the thing that ought to have control in my life. You know what else is revealed in Jonathan when I fast? This is a real confessional booth today. Uh, My anger is revealed. You know, you see, everybody thinks I'm such a nice, easygoing, laid-back guy. Vicky's thinking, actually, nobody thinks that, Jonathan. Um, when I, I say this in all sincerity, I'll say, Lord, please reveal what is truly inside of me. And the Lord says, oh, I'd be delighted. And pretty soon, the anger gets uncovered And I think I'm angry because I'm hungry. And I understand all about low blood sugar and so forth. That's a real thing. But what's actually being revealed is more akin to a spirit of anger. And I have to deal with that. Oh, man, the things that get revealed, the pride and the fear and the hostility. These are the kind of things that begin to surface. Does this sound fun yet? Am I, have I convinced you? Um, okay, maybe this will help. I, I think there are really five scriptural motives or reasons for fasting. Number one, to hear from God. Uh, here's what it says in Acts. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Yeah, it was during a time of fasting that the leaders of the church heard from God. And, and, and there are times when church leaders should commit to fasting together. It's also why you should personally commit to fasting at times. When you fast, it seems our ears are more attuned to the voice of God. Um, second thing, we fast sometimes to intercede for others. Psalm 35 says, when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. You know, sometimes fasting can be our response to urgent needs, you know, and maybe certain drastic situations kind of demand drastic measures. I'm part of a small group that uh, has been fasting for our adult kids. And you're like, wait, pastor, do you really think that you can change your son's 
attitude. I don't have a son, but I'm just talking hypothetically here. Um, you know, just by not eating. No, it's, it won't circumvent anyone's free will. Uh, but we're praying that God will intervene in such a way that our kids will encounter God or, or have the strength or the wisdom to make hard decisions. We're praying that we will deal with our kids in a gracious and wise way um, instead of you know, dealing with them in frustration and judgment as, as we're sometimes tempted to feel. You know, another scriptural motivation for fasting is as an act of repentance. Here, here in Joel, he says, dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. There are times when we as a nation, as a church, need to come together in a public expression of repentance through fasting. I, I read something really interesting this week that President Lincoln, in, in 1863, he, he recognized that his country had gotten off track. He declared a nationwide fast of repentance. Could you imagine a president calling for that today? Could you imagine Trudeau calling for a Canada-wide fast for our repentance? There may come a time in the life of, of NAC where, where we'll ask you to participate in a church-wide fast. Maybe it's happened in your own life. You know, you've forgotten that you need God. And one way to express a heartfelt repentance is through the act of fasting. Now, I want to make this really clear. Fasting doesn't earn you forgiveness or get you forgiven faster or more thoroughly. Fasting does, however, I think, help you see sin for what it really is. It helps you see sin as God sees it. Fasting intensifies, you could say, the act of repentance so that you understand more of the seriousness of sin and also the beauty of God's mercy. Another reason to fast, <clears throat> I think, is for direction. Here's what it says in, uh, in Acts 14. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. Paul and Barnabas fasted for wisdom and guidance in choosing the right leaders. And they also fasted presumably along with the elders for, for strength, uh, for them to perform their duties effectively. If you don't know the right decision to make, fasting might indeed help you discover God's wisdom. Uh, another scriptural reason to fast is really just an act of worship. Uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke, it says there's a woman named Anna. Here's what it says. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Fasting can be an act of worship. Wouldn't it be interesting to see what would happen if there were those who would um, fast on Saturday in preparation for, for Sunday worship service? I don't think, though, that we should necessarily speak of, of fasting 
solely from the perspective of food. That's the normal way that scripture speaks of it. It's probably the standard in terms of how fasting is understood. But I think there's other real value uh, to look at other things, particularly in our contemporary culture. I think there are times when we need to fast from people. Did the pastor just recommend in the middle of a global pandemic where we've been forced to fast from people, kind of out of touch there, pastor, well, we won't have a global pandemic forever. And uh, whether in COVID or not, we still have this tendency to devour people. <laughs> it's, it's precisely because we love people so intently that we, we need to learn how to be a blessing to them. Um, learn not to make a good thing like human relationships the ultimate thing, higher than God even. Thomas Merton, you know, the, the great Catholic poet and scholar, he says, it is in deep solitude that I find the gentleness with which I can truly love my brothers. Uh, does, does Dietrich Bonhoeffer, does that name ring a bell? Uh, he wrote a great little book called Life Together. And the first chapter is titled The Day Together. And then the next chapter is titled The Day Alone. And, and as much as we need to learn to truly be with people, be with them in their suffering and in their humanity, it's until we have learned to be alone with ourselves, with God, um, I don't know if we can be with people in a way that will actually help them and bless them because we'll end up bringing our own narcissism and toxicity and neediness. We won't know how to truly listen. <clears throat> now, I know what you're thinking. I don't have the time. And besides, I don't need it. Well, Moses needed it, and Elijah needed it, and David needed it, and Peter needed it, and Paul needed it, and Jesus needed it. So, who do we think we are? And if we need it, we'll find the time. Second, uh, as an idea of things that we ought to fast from, I, I, it seems to me there are times... <clears throat> We really need to learn to fast from media. Now, this is something that does deeply apply to our, our times in, in the middle of a pandemic. You know, fasting from screens, from Netflix, from gaming, from the internet. Um, it's amazing to me how uh, we're becoming increasingly incapable or at least unwilling, to go through a whole day uh, concentrating on a single thing. Everything, it seems, breaks up our sense of concentration. You know, the notifications on our phone, Twitter, radio, it's no wonder we feel like fractured people. Um, I'm like a lot of people. That, that constantly has background noise on, headphones on, podcasts running, music on, the TV on for sort of background noise. Paul has a word for it. 
You know what he calls it? Slavery. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Submit not again to a yoke of slavery. Ouch. It's amazing, you know, we can go off to camp or some spiritual retreat, and we come back and we say, oh man, God spoke to me. And then we get back into the rush of life, and surprise, surprise, God stops speaking, right? Uh, No, we stop listening. And what happened at camp is, is incredibly simple. All we did was get rid of enough distractions for a long enough period of time in order to hear the good shepherd. You don't need to go to camp to do that. You know, you can do that in the course of your daily life. But we're going to need a bit of margin, uh, a little break from media now and again to actually hear the voice uh, because we're being drowned out with other voices. I know people who will stop praying to respond to their buzzing phone. Is there anything more ludicrous than that? And I'm preaching to Johnny here, okay? Uh, If I were to suggest to you not to respond to your phone for a day or put it in a drawer for 24 hours. You might look at me like I'm a crazy person. Like some of y'all are getting the withdrawal shakes just thinking about it right now. Back when we could actually meet with people, uh, sometimes they would come to our home or we'd meet them at a restaurant, maybe uh, at some sacrifice or distance. And then we'll insult them by giving more attention to an inanimate object than to them. I I want my girls to know, I want my wife to know that they are more important than anything that can be found on a screen. And too often I have given them the exact opposite message by my actions. I just try it. Just try it sometime as an experiment. Just turn it off for a day. You're going to feel like you're missing some important breaking news, okay? You're going to feel like you're missing out on some important friendship visitations and invitations, opportunities of a lifetime. Those voices you're hearing are, if not lying, they're exaggerating, okay? I, I, I know this is hard to believe, but people have lived for hundreds of years without a phone. What will it reveal to you? What will you fast from? Um, Will you feel helpless without it? Will it reveal that you're a bit of a control freak? Uh, Are you able to just let God be in control? I think we need time to fast from our consumer culture. And maybe you're thinking, well, thanks to this lockdown, uh, fasting from consumerism has been forced on me. No, it hasn't. Be honest, okay? E-commerce was a $850 billion industry last year. That wasn't expected to happen until 2025. Amazon revenue went up 40% in the pandemic, 89% billion dollars, that's with a B. We found out that we like 
shopping online, and we like when it shows up at our door the next day. Uh, during the longest days of the pandemic, my Instagram was, was reading my diary and advertising stuff that was right in my wheelhouse. And I was like, you know what? I do need a drone and more ironic 80s t-shirts. I, yeah. There are times we ought to just embrace simplicity, reject the, the advertising and the pressure um, to buy and consume, advertising that says you are not enough as you are. I think for our, for our soul's sake, we need times when we just even intentionally go among Christ's favorites, the poor, uh, the broken, the bruised, the dispossessed, not to preach to them, but to actually learn from them. It's one of the reasons I'm so grateful uh, for the regulars at the Serve Our City team. You know, the Maxmans and the, the Frances and the Bonhams and the Robinsons and others. You know, they are not only ministering to a down and out population, but they are learning something from the people that scripture says God has the most concern for. Um, those are some suggestions. What is it for you that you know it would be helpful for your soul to just fast from, even for a day? You know, Daniel describes a modified fast in which he says, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. For you, it might be fast food, desserts, alcohol. You know, we don't preach teetotaling at NAC, abstinence. Uh, but you have a time where grace can turn into license. The National on CBC had a story this week about the rising alcoholism in the last year, particularly among women uh, during this pandemic. Part of the problem, not only the stress, the anxiety of the pandemic, but also the way we've kind of memified mums and drinking, you know? It's wine o'clock. Um, boxed wine is just juice box for moms. Like, what is it for you this morning that you, you feel the voice of God is just kind of convicting you on? If you would like to try this fasting experiment with me, and I, and I hope you will, there's some practical things that you should think about, particularly as it applies to food. You know, you should start slow. You don't start with a, a seven-day fast. Maybe start with a noon-to-noon fast. Um, you should be hydrating like crazy. Um, don't break your fast. Like, don't come out of your fast with, you know, a couple Wendy's Baconators. That's, that's a bad idea. But my final suggestions this morning are more of a, of a spiritual nature. You would do well to just focus on Jesus during your fast. I know it sounds maybe obvious, but you're going to be tempted to just focus on how hungry you are or how annoyed you are. And I don't think that will end up making for a very effective fast. Make a point to just fix your eyes 
on Jesus. You know, think about his Christmas incarnation. Think about his teaching and his miracles, his passion, his death and resurrection. Think about his attributes. Think about his fast in the wilderness. Um, I think it's safe to say, as you fix your eyes on Jesus, you will draw closer to him. Now, here's a warning. Don't you dare do what Christians are so famous for doing and turn fasting into another you know, soul-killing law. Uh, so my second point is don't be legalistic, okay? People ask, can I brush my teeth when I fast? What if I accidentally swallow some toothpaste? Does that, will it count? And as a pastor, I implore you, brush your teeth, okay, folks? Take your cough drops or your vitamin. Don't be legalistic about your fast. And at the same time, don't look for loopholes either. If you go on a, a three-day fast and you, you kind of mess up halfway through, don't beat yourself up about it. Kind of pick up where you left and keep going. Remember the point of this is not about going without food. The purpose is to help you connect uh, with God on a deeper level. Last thing, uh, as in terms of just my suggestions, ex- expect results, but, but maybe don't expect them immediately. Like Jesus says that um, you'll be rewarded for this, but be okay with the idea that you may not experience the benefits of your fast until later. Like, You actually may have an epiphany in the moment. You may hear from God in a powerful way during the fast. But often the reward requires a little more patience, a little more long-term investment. Uh, You know, you may be tempted to say after a fast, well, that didn't work. And then a week or two later, you may realize that God has done something in your life that you didn't recognize at first. Fasting is a way to connect with God on a deeper level, but um, don't expect your fast to be full of bliss. (laughs) It's going to likely be challenging, and it may even reveal and produce an irritability In you, you may end up having to apologize to your spouse when the fast is over. Just as I invite the band back up, folks, at NAC, we we value grace. We talk a lot about grace. We know that salvation is a gift from God. It's not the result of our works or our effort. Our purpose in fasting is not to persuade God about anything. Our purpose in fasting is to connect him, connect with him on a deeper level. When you fast, you demonstrate to God that knowing him is more important than your personal comfort. When you fast, you demonstrate your faith. Uh, When you fast, you demonstrate your intentionality. Uh, God honors your effort. Jesus says that he'll actually reward you for it. The greatest reward of this habit, though, is that you will find yourself in a deeper walk with God 
than you ever will before. I believe that. So what is it for you this morning? Maybe we didn't just take a moment to ask God. God, would you reveal it to us? That thing that I know has been sort of jockeying for first place in my life when it should be you, Jesus. Speak to us, Lord, I pray. And may this draw us closer to you. You want to bless us. And maybe this would be a a vehicle to, to draw us closer to you. That's the goal, to be closer to you so that you can bless us. Shine your face upon us. Give us peace. May it be so, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name.